Good morning. Good morning. That's much better. Hey, guys, there's some seats on the front row up here. <laughs> Larry says no. Well, welcome to Memorial. It is a great day this first Sunday after Christmas, and we're here for a joint service. I'm glad you remember the time was 10 a.m., uh, and so everyone, we welcome you. We are glad that you're here. If you're visiting with us for the first time, please, uh, when we pass around our attendance pads in a few minutes, put down your contact information um, and let us uh, know how we can get in touch with you and let you know more about our church. Um, I am not the pastor here at Memorial. I am the youth pastor. Um, our pastor has been out for a little while now. He suffered a very severe break um, to his arm and is still recovering from that. Um, so continue to keep him in your prayers. Uh, right now, while Bill is walking around, our ushers are walking around, I want to go ahead and let you know that at this service we uh, take prayer requests. And if you have a prayer request or a praise report that you don't mind sharing with the rest of the congregation, um, please hold up your hand and uh, one of our ushers will be there to uh, hand you a prayer card and a pencil. And uh, we'll take those up uh, in a few moments during the children's moments and then we'll have our time of prayer as we offer those to God this morning. I got a couple of other announcements for you. Um, children's uh, activities resume next Sunday, is that correct? The 12th then. They resume the 12th, a week from next Sunday. Um, and also our Wednesday night supper is not the first. It is not this Wednesday. Normally we have our Wednesday night supper at 6 on the first Wednesday of the month. But since it is the holiday this year, we'll be moving that to the 8th. That is correct, right Christy? Okay, all right, all right, good. So that'll be on the 8th, and there are sign-up sheets in, in the uh, bulletins, and, and you can also just call the church office and let us know how many are going to be coming in your party. Um, we like to get an idea ahead of time, but of course, if you, uh, if you forget to or can't, can't do that uh, ahead of time, please come on. There's usually plenty of food, and uh, it's been very well attended and a lot of fun the past few times. I think we have a speaker lined up uh, as well for uh, this uh, month's um, Supper at 6. Uh, one more announcement, uh, the youth have a special surprise outing tonight, and I believe the weather is going to hold off. I'm still not revealing what that surprise outing is, but uh, we are still on for it, so uh, <laughs> I can see Riley's upset that I'm not going to tell. Um, but anyway, that's from 5 to 8.30 tonight, um, and the cost is $15, um, so you come and see what the surprise is, okay, Riley? All right, well, I don't think there are any more announcements. Um, so let's pause for just a moment uh, and gather our hearts and our, and our thoughts and our minds and begin to focus on uh, the reason we're here, and that is to worship the risen Savior. Please stand and join us as we sing our first song of the day, Christmas Offering. Bethlehem appeared a star While angels sang to lowly shepherds Three wise men seeking truth They traveled from afar Hoping to find the child from heaven Falling on their knees They bow before the humble of peace. We bring an offering of worship to our King. No one on earth deserves the praises that we sing. Jesus, may you receive the honor that's your due. Oh Lord, I bring an offering
to my King. No one on earth deserves the praises that I sing. Jesus, may you receive the honor that you're due. bring an offering of worship to my King. No one on earth deserves the praises that I sing. Jesus, may you receive the honor that you're due. Most gracious and loving Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for this day, and we pray that the offering which we bring, the offering of our hearts and our praise, is acceptable to you. Lord, we ask now during this time that your spirit would be upon us in a heavy way, that we would remember that not only did you come to save us and that you came in a, in a lowly form, but that you grew up into a very powerful man, and that is the man that we are here to worship today, a man who conquers death and conquers sin in the grave. We give you thanks and praise for that and are humbled by the fact that you chose to come and save us. Amen. Follow the star to a place unexpected Would you believe after all we projected A child in a manger Lonely and small, the weakest of all, unlikeliest hero, wrapped in his mother's shawl, just a child, is this who we waited for? How many kings stepped down from their thrones? How many lords have abandoned their homes? How many greats have been for me How many gods have poured out their hearts to romance a world that has torn all apart How many fathers gave up their sons for me Bringing our gifts for the newborn Savior all that we Because we believe Gold for his honor and frankincense for his pleasure And birth for the cross he'll suffer Do you believe? Is this who we waited for? How many kings stepped down? How many gods have poured out their hearts 
somebody as we ask the children also come forward for our children's moments. Good morning. How is everybody? How was your Christmas? Was it good? We're still going to talk a little bit about Christmas this morning. And I wondered how many of you had read the story, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Have we all read that story? Yeah, I think we all kind of know about that one. Well, if you haven't read it, you might have seen the movie. Has anybody seen the movie? How the Grinch Stole Christmas? Okay, so y'all pretty much know the story. And if you remember about it, where is the place that they loved? Or where were they um, in the story? What was it called? Whoville, right. And everyone there loved what? Christmas. Christmas. And don't we all love Christmas just like that? Well, everybody except for one person, the Grinch. And the Grinch hated Christmas, and he made up this evil plan. What was he going to do? Okay, so y'all totally know the story. He was going to spoil Christmas. He was going to dress up like Santa Claus. Y'all remember that part? And steal all their Christmas presents, take their Christmas trees, and he was even going to take their food for Christmas dinner. That would totally spoil it, wouldn't it? Yeah. You're exactly right. They couldn't even have a fire. So do you know why the Grinch felt that way, why he hated Christmas so much? You remember him? You're exactly right. Y'all are so good. It was because his heart was so small. He was so selfish that he hated to see anyone else happy or enjoying themselves. How sad is that? But as you know, did his plan work? No. no it did not work because the people in Whoville knew that the real joy of Christmas did not come from those presents, from those decorations, or even the food. It comes from a heart filled with what? Joy and love and all those types of things, right? So the story of how the Grinch stole Christmas is not really a true story. But this morning, I wanted to tell you another story that is true, and it's about another Grinch who tried to steal Christmas. Did you know there was another one? A real one? Well, in fact, this Grinch tried to steal the very first Christmas. And this Grinch was a king by the name of, who am I thinking of? Who'd you say? 
King Herod. You're exactly right. After Jesus was born, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem and asked where they could find the child who had been born to be the king of the Jews. We have seen his star in the sky, and we want to worship him, they said. And when Herod heard about this, he told the men that when they found the child, they should come back and tell him where the child was so he could worship him too. But the truth is, you're exactly right. Y'all are so good. The truth is, truth was that Herod didn't really want to worship Jesus. He wanted to kill him. Why do you think that was? Well, maybe, you're right, maybe it was because his heart was too small. Herod was so selfish that he was afraid that Jesus would become more popular than he was and maybe even take over his kingdom. Well, Herod's plan to kill Jesus didn't work. After the wise men found Jesus and gave him gifts, an angel told them of Herod's plan, and they went back without telling King Herod where they had found Jesus. An angel also appeared to Joseph and warned him of Herod's plan, told him to take Mary and the baby Jesus to Egypt, where they would be safe. So we see since the very first Christmas that they have been Grinches trying to steal the joy of Christmas. And there may be some Grinches that try to steal our joy, but you know what? It'll never work, unless your heart is too small, and I know it's not. Make sure that your heart is big enough, and we can do that by sharing the love and joy of Christmas with everyone we meet. And it's not just at Christmas time that we can do that, but all year round. Do you think you can do that? Make sure our hearts are big enough and not let those Grinches steal our joy. Okay, bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Father, we thank you for the joy that Jesus brings. Help us to share that joy with everyone we meet. Amen. We have all the prayer cards. Anybody else have one out there? If not, let's go before the Lord in prayer this morning. Most gracious and loving Heavenly Father, we give you praise for this time of year. For a time when we come to contemplate your coming into this world and your coming into our lives. We do give you thanks and, and hope that you understand that we give you all the glory for your wonderful plan of redemption. It certainly isn't the way that we would expect a king to come, so lowly and small. But Lord, we're thankful that you came, and that you came in a humble way that we might be exalted. Lord, we remember that the, the manger was just the beginning. And I pray that as we move on through our year, Lord, we would continue to move towards that Easter Sunday. And remember all the sacrifices you made along the way, that we might be willing to sacrifice some things in our own lives to serve your purposes, to further your kingdom. Lord, in this upcoming new year, I pray that you would grant us the courage and the strength to stand for you, to speak out for you, to be your hands and your feet, to show your love and your mercy, to share your good news the good news of your son with, with as many people as we possibly can. Lord, I pray that the new year would hold for us as a church a renewed sense of mission and purpose. That we would seek not just to, to move forward and, and simply do the same things that we've already been doing, but that we would branch out and seek to find new disciples. And that we ourselves would grow in our discipleship, becoming more and more like the image of your Son. Lord, we are so grateful and thankful that you were willing to give him up for us. 
And it is only because of him and his work on the cross that we might consider ourselves your children, that we might experience forgiveness, and that we might even stand in your presence and offer our prayers today. So, Lord, we do bring to you all the things that weigh on our hearts and on our minds. We ask that you would heal those who are hurting, to mend broken relationships, to bring wholeness to those who have lives that have been torn apart. Lord, we ask that you would bring salvation to those who are lost, guidance to those who are wandering. And in the stillness of our hearts, Lord, we offer up to you now the burdens we bear. Also on this day, Lord, we offer up to you these specific prayer requests, knowing that you are already at work in each and every situation and asking that your presence be felt and that your will be done. We pray for Nell Kennedy and Becky Pinson who have been diagnosed with cancer. We lift up to you David Pinckney who will be having a bone marrow transplant. Lord, we lift up to you an 18-year-old on life support and a young mom named Joe. Lord, we pray for George Wagner, who was just diagnosed with esophageal cancer. And we lift up to you the family of Deli Woolard, Debbie Woolard, who has passed away recently. And also pray for a friend who's getting results from lab regarding possibility of cancer. We pray for your continued watch over Chris's healing and over Joseph's healing and Pastor Brenda's healing as well. Lord, these we join with the prayers of our hearts and pray them in the name of the one who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our scripture lesson for today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, verses 1, 18 through 25. This is a familiar story, but I want you to think about the character of Joseph as we read through this. And what it would have been like for him to experience all of these things, okay? Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph... Before they, had came, they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus, the word of God for the people of God. Joseph is often a neglected character in the Bible stories. As a matter of fact, if you haven't put your manger scenes, your nativity scenes up yet, go home and I'll bet that over 50% of the peoples in here do not have a Joseph in them. I have several at home and two of them don't have Joseph. One of them only has Mary and the wise men. At the manger, which is also biblically inaccurate, but we're not going to talk about that today. But 
Joseph is so neglected. I mean, oftentimes in Protestant circles, we neglect Mary, too, and her role in the whole uh, you know, birth of the, of the Savior. But Joseph is even more neglected. Can you imagine? This is a male-dominated, male-oriented society. He is betrothed, which means that he has paid a dowry to Mary's family. And they have pledged to be together. It's not like a modern engagement, okay? Not at all. This was legally binding. You had to have a divorce to get out of a betrothal. The only way that was different as far as whether or not you were married or betrothed is that you did not have relationships. You did not live in the same house. You did not bear children in a betrothal period. But in other, every other way, you were married, pledged to each other. So we know from Mary's story that she finds out she's going to have a child. She goes and visits Mary for about three months. Till she, I mean, excuse me, goes and visits Elizabeth for about three months until she has her child, John the Baptist, and then Mary returns home. Pregnant, probably a little bump, right? Not good news for Joseph when he sees this. Can you imagine that? The shame that would come with that? Just the, the flood of emotions. How could she do this to him? We know from the scriptures that he is a just man. He is a righteous man. He tries to follow the law. So I think that Joseph's story is one worth looking at because so often we seem to find ourselves in situations where things just aren't going the way that we thought they would go. Things just don't happen the way we planned on them happening. God tends to show up and rearrange our lives. You ever felt like that? Whether it's jobs or stuff going on in our family or, or, or whatever it may be, dealing with illnesses or sicknesses or moves or whatever it is, God seems to have a different plan than we do most of the time. And I can only imagine Joseph was feeling the same way. So I think there's a few things we can learn from the way he reacted throughout the story that might help us as we enter this new year to learn a little bit more and to be a little bit more like God's chosen people. The first thing that Joseph showed was compassion. My clicker's not working. There we go. Compassion. I want you to think about this. He is a just man, yet he wanted to spare Mary any shame. He wanted to follow the law, and the law did say, if you look at back in the Old Testament, the law did say that she could be stoned for this. If he accused her and there was a public trial, they could all get stones and, and stone her to death for this. But he didn't want that to happen. He exhibits an extreme amount of compassion. And I think that so often today we forget that Joseph's dilemma of wanting to follow the law, wanting to preserve his integrity and his uh, relationship with God and doing what God expected him to do, living up to God's standard, yet also loving another person who has failed him. For all, for all he knows at this point in the story, she has failed him. How does he maintain his relationship with God and with the law and do what is right, yet also express his love for her and spare her the shame? I find it interesting that in Joseph's dilemma with Mary, we also find that we have a brief picture of God's dilemma with mankind. God is a holy God. He cannot stand sin in His presence. We know back from the story of Adam and Eve that once they sinned, they were ushered out of the garden. And the rest of human history is God's plan of redemption to get us back. But God cannot have sin in His presence. He cannot allow it to dwell amongst Him or amidst him, and all of the heavenly hosts. So, just like Joseph, who's struggling to deal with this standard, this law, God also has the dilemma of this law, this, this holiness that he is, this righteousness that he is. And so there in the, in the figure of Joseph, as he seeks to show compassion to Mary, we get a picture of the Father in heaven. Also, through Joseph and Mary, Showing his compassion. Figuring his way around the holiness, righteousness dilemma that presents itself. So that we might be called righteous. The very son that Joseph would raise would die for our sins. 
so that we could be reconciled to God. It's no wonder that God chose Joseph for the task. Joseph obviously had compassion. Now, in our modern world, too often, the charge leveled against the church, against us, against Christians, is what? That we are too judgmental, right? Too quick to judge, too condemning. Wouldn't we be better? Wouldn't we be better people if we learned from Joseph's example? He did not hate Mary. He didn't like what was going on, obviously. He couldn't ignore what was going on, obviously. But he loved her, nonetheless, and sought a route which, which allowed him to keep his integrity and moral standard intact, yet show compassion and love to the person whom he believed had wronged him. Now that's a message for Christians today. Because we have charges leveled against us that we have no compassion. That we preach grace but show none. And we will never see more people coming to the kingdom of God if we represent it as a place where you can't find happiness. Where you can't find grace. Where you can't find forgiveness. We have to be people like Joseph who acknowledge the reality of a situation but then find ways to show compassion and love and mercy in the midst of it. We have to be compassionate people because God is compassionate. He has called us to that and He has worked with people throughout history like Joseph who are compassionate. We don't have to abandon our morals or our standards or the law or the gospel. But we also must learn that there are people involved in each and every situation. And when we love those people like we're supposed to, we find ways to show them mercy, to grant them peace and forgiveness. That's the lesson from Joseph, or at least one of them. The next one is patience. Now this one may seem like you know, a cliche thing to talk about, that God's people would have patience. But, but for a moment, I want you to think about this. After it's all settled, the angel comes, eases Joseph's mind. Turns out she has not transgressed against him. Now he knows that. Now everything, they're going to move forward. This is going to be his adoptive child. Everything's going okay at this point. Then they get this decree, all right, from way on high. The Roman emperor says there's going to be a census. You've got to go back to the town of your ancestry. Now, Bethlehem is about 90 miles from Nazareth. We know Mary has her baby shortly after arriving in Bethlehem from the scriptures. Men, have you ever went on a car ride with a woman who's pregnant at nine months? Can you imagine a 90-mile journey on foot over rocky hills? Trying to fend off bandits and wild animals, shivering in the cold, only the bread which you bring along with you to eat as your food for the, for the journey. It probably would have taken four or five days for them to get from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And she's nine months pregnant. Nine months pregnant. My wife has had two children, so I, I, I know, uh, I don't, I, I'm going to get in trouble if I say that, I know a little bit. I know something, a small bit about um, the discomfort that I have seen in a woman who's nine months pregnant. Let's put it that way. I would not want to be traveling. This is not, this isn't modern maternity. They didn't pack up the old Dodge minivan and stroll into Bethlehem. At most, they had a donkey. Have you ever ridden a horse? Can you imagine a donkey? Women, if you were pregnant, can you imagine riding on a donkey for 90 miles? That's insane. What patience Joseph must have had during this ordeal. What patience he must have exhibited as they couldn't find a place in the inn to have their child. What patience he must have exhibited with Mary and with the young child, knowing that it wasn't really his flesh and bone. What patience we should also try to exhibit as the new year dawns. Look, life's messy. And it's full of surprises. Joseph didn't plan on there being a census. He didn't plan on Mary being pregnant this early on in their relationship either. 
all the time things happen in our lives that we don't plan on. And Joseph's response was that of patience. We've already looked at compassion, but he was a patient man. Even in, even in knowing that something bad was going on, if you read the scriptures, when he found out that Mary was pregnant, what did he do before anything else? He slept on it. And that's when the angel came in the dream. Wouldn't we be better off if we slept on more things? In our fast-paced world where we, we pull out our cell phones and, boy, wait, I got an email last hour, and I'll check it again to see if I got an email next hour. Where everything's on demand and we expect responses and everything to just happen so quickly, wouldn't we be better off if we learned to sleep on a few more things? Things that aren't that big of a deal become huge in our minds because we feel pressure. If we would just sleep on it, we'd realize the next day it's not that big a deal. As a matter of fact, a lot of things we worry about today, if we would just sleep on it and say, you know what, it's Sunday, it's a rest day. Every other day of the week we seem to cram it with work. If we just rest over half, maybe even more than that, of the stuff that we would worry about today will not even be an issue tomorrow morning. If we would exhibit a little bit of patience, I think we would go a long way into this new year of becoming more like God's people. And then finally, oh, that was my slide for that. Sorry about that. Patience is a virtue. Finally, though, obedience. Joseph was obedient. Now, we struggle all our lives with wondering what God wants from us, right? What's God's will for my life? We have books, thousands, millions of them written on the subject. How to determine God's will for your life. Now, Joseph had maybe access to some scrolls at a synagogue as far as God's word is concerned. God spoke to Joseph in dreams. And the amazing thing is, is that if you read in the scripture, you remember from earlier, as soon as he woke up, he went and did as the angel had told him. He took Mary as his wife. They had the child. He called him Jesus. Same thing happens when Herod decides to destroy all the children to and under. An angel comes to Joseph in his dream. He wakes up. He does exactly what the angel had told him. He does exactly what God had told him. When it's time to come back to Nazareth, he does the same thing. The scripture, I mean, it's no mistake. It's very clear to say Joseph did exactly what God told him to do through a dream. Now, we would question anything that came to us in a dream, wouldn't we? But Joseph's obedience was not hesitant. It was unwavering. And that's an example set before us. We spend, like I said, most of our time, we spend our time wanting to know what God's will is for our life. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Uh, it's a good thing to know what career we're going to, to go into or who we're going to marry or where we're going to live or, or major life decisions that, that cannot be found necessarily in these pages. But we have become so complacent in neglecting the fact that God's will for us is mostly found in the pages of this book. It is His way that He has revealed to us whom we are to be and how we are to act. And we spend a lot of time trying to figure out what it is God wants from us without ever opening this. It's all in here. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't pray about the big decisions and the things that are going on in our lives, but as the new year approaches... Come up with some sort of Bible study reading plan. If you're not involved in Bible study, get involved in Bible study. Because you cannot obey what God would have you to do if you don't know what God would have you to do. And I understand that, that in some situations like where should I move or what should I do, who should I marry, that maybe can't be found in these pages. But for the most part, everything that God wants you to be is in the pages of this book. The way He wants you to act towards others... Love yourself. I mean, love, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's all, all those types of commands, expectations of God's people are in the Bible. That's His will for us. That we would be conformed to the image of His Son. That's His will for us. Let's, let's work on getting to know the story of His Son a little bit more so that we can be obedient. We don't have to depend on dreams like Joseph. It's a beautiful thing that we have access to Scripture. And yet we so often take it for granted. But however God speaks to you in the new year or, or even before then, 
one thing we can learn from Joseph is to be obedient. Unhesitating, unwavering obedience. When we are sure God has spoken, do we act? So, in closing, I want us to remember that compassion, obedience, and patience are hallmarks of Joseph's character. Would the world outside say the same thing about us? Would your co-workers and your neighbors say the same thing about you? The challenge in the new year is not to think about all the things that went wrong in 2013 or to think about all our flaws. The challenge is to move forward. Not to be satisfied with where we are, but to become more compassionate, more patient, and by all means more obedient. Because if Joseph hadn't exhibited these three traits, we wouldn't have a Savior. Jesus would have never made it. Multiple times, Joseph's obedience saved Jesus' life. Let's learn from Joseph and become more compassionate, more patient, more obedient. For that is what we are called to do. And that calling is ours for the taking. Amen. Will you please join me in standing as we respond to the proclamation of the word using our Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, You may be seated, and at this time we will continue to worship through the giving of our tithes and offerings.
you please stand for our closing song? <laughs> on a cold star night in Bethlehem, a newborn baby held in her hands and doors. Wrapped up tight late in the hay Stars shining bright like the break of day You know We know How the story goes Did you ever stop and think I wonder what was on their minds as it all sank in and they began to cry and the tears fell down as free and the tears fell down as free joseph kept watch with a careful eye mary sang a sweet lullaby and the tears fell down Shepherds with their flocks lying on the ground, angels burst forth with a heavenly sound, and oh, we know how the story Made their way to the nearby town At the foot of the manger They fell to the ground and oh, We know How the story goes Did you ever stop to think I wonder what was on their minds As it all sank in And they began to cry And the tears fell down as free And the tears fell down as free Shepherds worship with hands held high The sleeping baby opened his eyes And the tears fell down as free God sent down a son in the form of a man. This was all part of the master's plan. And oh, we know how the story goes. He grew up strong in the blink of an eye. On the day of his birth, he was destined to die. And oh, we know. Did you ever stop to think? I wonder what was on his mind as his son was born and God began to cry. And the tears fell down as free. And the tears fell down. 
Children below, we sent his son to die, but on this night, God watched from on high, and the tears filled up as free. As the sleeping baby began to cry, could he hear the echoes of crucify? And the tears fell down as prayed. And the tears fell down as prayed. And the tears fell down as prayed. And the tears fell down. As we leave this place, let us go forth to be more compassionate, more patient, and more obedient to God as we follow his will for our lives. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Have a great week.